All right, good good morning, guys. My name is Cody, and uh, I get to be the pastor here at uh, the Table Church. Um, but today, we have a special treat because um, I'm going to do finance update, and then I'm going to read Scripture and pray um, for us. And whenever I get ready to read Scripture, I'm going to have you stand back up so you're going to get your squats in today, uh, uh, rising and standing a little bit more. Uh, but um, if you've been coming to the Table since like the beginning, you'll, you'll remember like this is like OG day, like before COVID, like pre-COVID. Um, we would have a scripture reading team that would come and read scripture, and then the preacher would get up and explain it. Um, and then once after COVID, you know, hit, we had to decide like, hey, we got to strip some of these teams down and like reassign people, you know, and everything. I was like, I can read the scripture; that's fine, I can do it. Um, but uh, today we're going back to old school, so that's that's kind of fun. Um, so, but what we're going to do is we're going to get to hear from Jesse Powell, and I'll explain more about that as we get into finance update. So, um, here's the finance update for. Um, the month of May. Here at the table, we like to just be open, and um, it's not a whole lot of information, but we like to be transparent about where we are um, as a church. You give money um, to this church. You ought to know how much money we've taken in, how much is going out. So that's why we do this. So here's what's going on. Our budgeted tithes and offerings for the month of May was $14,800, and our actual tithes and offerings was $14,800. 170. So we're almost there. We're almost to just um, meeting our budget on our own. Um, We are a church plant. We have outside support. There's an association back in Oklahoma that sends us $2,083 every month for the uh, month or for the year of 2021. So with all of that said, our budgeted income was $16,833 and our actual income was $16,253. But here's the good news. Our actual expenses was only $15,768. So we're, we're in, the, uh, in the black um, for this month. Now here's what we gave away. Even though we are a church plant and we receive money from outside, we also want to build it into the culture and through the DNA of our church that we want to be generous. That as a, as a corporate body, we want to be generous. So we gave away $1,558. We gave it away to the cooperative program of the Southern Baptist Convention. We gave it away to Acts 29, um, which is a church planning um, network that I'm a part of. A matter of fact, Lori and I were at a, a, a planter and wives retreat in Colorado this last week, and part of that, what we gave, goes to put things like that on for a time of just refreshing and encouragement for pastors all over um, the West. Got to meet a lot of really neat guys, and um, we're excited about what is going on with Acts 29 and through the cooperative program as well. So we also give money back to Mullins Association for, um, for their, their sending us. And so we want to we help, you know, support that. And then we also give to Thrive Baptist Network, which is a local um, association here in the Valley. Now, here is um, kind of the, 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 the next steps. What happened with, with all of that? What was going on in the church? Well, um, we didn't baptize any of our friends, but we have some baptism classes coming up, and we have some people that are thinking about it. But we had three people that started serving on teams. And so if you are, maybe you're one of those persons that you've been coming to the coming to the table for a little bit and you're like, hey, I'm just attending, like, and you're like wondering, what should I do? Should I, I kind of want to be involved. Listen, you could be one of those next steps next month, okay? Um, and you can find out more about that at the info table. Like, use your gifts. Use what God has given you to serve the body and to serve this local church. We also had... Um, one new person that got involved in community group. Community groups is where it's at. When we were shut down for seven, eight months, whatever it was during COVID, 
our church survived because of our community groups. First, we just did them online, and then people were like, hey, we're going to see one another. And so we started, like, meeting with one another, and that's really what held our church together is community. That's who we are. It's what we're about. It's where we know one another, and we are known by one another. And so we know inherently that we're not supposed to do this thing on our own. We're supposed to know one another. We're, 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 it's not good for man to be alone. And so um, community groups is where it's at. We had one person do that. If you're interested in getting into a community group and being known and doing life, again, info table is where it's at. Go and talk to someone about uh, where you can get plugged in. We'll find, you, we'll find a, a, a night that works for you and an area that works for you. We will get you plugged in. Um, the third thing is we had three new givers, like three, three people this past month that said, hey, I like what this church is doing. I like what it's about. I'm going to contribute financially to that. And again, you can set that up. We'll give you some information here in a little bit. Lastly, we had three new members. Now, these are people who have said, I'm going to give. I'm going to learn. I'm going to serve. I've been baptized. I'm following Jesus. I'm a Christian. I'm in. I want to be part of this family. And they have taken that step, and they became members. So if you want to know how to give, um, we got a slide up there. You can give it the old-fashioned way. There's a giving box right at the back of this room. You can drop a check or drop cash in there, and we'll, we'll get it counted up, and we'll get it deposited. No big deal. But you say, I don't have any cash. A lot of people don't carry cash anymore. You can set it up on your phone. You can basically go and uh, click, on, click our app or go to our website and, and, and uh, click, click Give and set it up, and you can set recurring or one-time, whatever you want to do. It's really, really easy. Former member of our church who moved away, Tanner Britt, he's the one that set it up for us. Really, really easy to do that. Or if you say, hey, I'm not going to do all that stuff, but I'll mail you a check. You can mail it. Um, there's an address up there. But also you can just text give and, you, and, and, and set it up that way. So whatever way you need to start giving, if you want to start doing that, we would love to have you um, do that. Now, with all of that said, here's, here's where we're at as a church. So we're almost self-supporting. And we're, um, we're getting to the point of being self-governing. Here's why I'm saying that. Because today, Jesse Powell is going to be preaching the word for us today. Part of what we want to do as a church is we want to mature to where we have local church elders. And so I want you to know that Jesse and Dan Bell are two men that I've been interviewing, have been talking to, and been training for about the last six months. Um, just talking to them about, are you called to be an elder? Both of those men have expressed a, an aspiration. There's, the scripture says, if, if, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble thing. And these two men aspire to that office. And so it's my job as the elder of the church to train them because we want to have a plurality of elders, that it shouldn't just be the Cody show, that it should be a shared shepherding, okay? That we want to have that. And Jesse Powell is one of those guys. And so he's going to be coming and teaching today. One of the qualifications of an elder is he must be able to teach. And so y'all are going to get to see if he can today or not, all right? Cool. No pressure, bro. No pressure. Um, that was, again, not in my notes, all right? So I'm going to pray for him, but know this, that this church is maturing. This church is becoming what we set out for it to do. We're almost paying our own bills. We almost have our own elders, and that's what a church is supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to set in order. That's what Paul said to Titus. That's what Paul said to Timothy, all those things. We are doing what was laid out in the New Testament. Isn't that cool? 
isn't that awesome that this church, that all these things that we see, yeah, yeah, that, that we see this in the Bible, like we're living that out. It is so, so good. And here's the really, really neat thing. I was really excited. I, I was like, I get to sit underneath the preaching of the word today. I get to hear the word like you do. And I was like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get sit to, I'm going to get to sit next to my wife. She goes, no, I'm serving the kids. Like, Dang. Okay. So I'm like, oh, I'll sit next to Karis. And so Karis came up there and sat, sat next to me. As soon as I got up to come up here, her little friends came and sat beside her. So now I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm loner again. So if you want to sit next to me today, just raise your hand. I'll come sit by you so I'm not doing this thing on my own. Okay? All right, good. I got one right, volunteer right here. Great. All right. Fantastic. All of that said, let's go ahead and stand up. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to pray for Jesse. And then Jesse's going to come and break it down for us. All right? So we are in Colossians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. And golly, I cannot believe I gave this text to you, Jesse. I've missed this. God, this is a good text. Good text. Here's what the scripture says. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would teach us what we know not. We ask that you would give us what we have not. And God, we ask that through your word and through your spirit that you would make us what we are not. For your glory, for our joy, would you bless the preaching of your word? Would you speak through Jesse Powell this morning? In your good, good name we pray. Amen. Je Amen. All right. You guys can be seated if you're not already. All right. Um, as Cody said, my name is Jesse, and I have been a member here at the table really since the beginning uh, with my wife Stephanie and our five children. Uh, this, is, this has become our church home. We, we love being here, and it is a privilege uh, to be able to, to share God's Word with you today. Um, we are continuing in a series called Supreme. Uh, in Supreme, we are walking through uh, the book of Colossians. And just as a very short, high-level uh, overview, Colossians is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae. Uh, Colossae, the church there, had been challenged by uh, some false teaching that was minimizing the person and the work of Jesus. And so Paul felt it important to write this letter to clarify, to help them understand who Jesus was, that he is supreme, that he is preeminent, because it's hard for us to have a saving faith and a relationship if we have a, a twisted and incorrect view and understanding of who Jesus is. And so last week, uh, Cody walked us through verses 15 through 17. Uh, this week we're going to be doing 18 through 20. And these verses, or these passages, uh, they, they kind of parallel one another. They have several similarities in how they're written. And even they, they use some of the same language. If you guys uh, remember, if you were here last week in verse 15, uh, Cody talked about um, how the, the verse says Jesus was the firstborn of all creation. And on the surface, this can be really confusing because this almost implies 
that Jesus was a created being. Jesus was not a created being. As Cody said last week, uh, he is part of the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit. They have always existed, and they will always exist. And so the firstborn of all creation does not mean that, that Jesus was created. It means that he is supreme and preeminent over all of creation. And we also see in verse 18, uh, I'm going to jump right to kind of the middle um, of that verse, he is the firstborn from the dead. But Jesus wasn't technically the first person to be raised from the dead because he actually himself had raised people from the dead during his life and ministry on earth. And so this word, the firstborn, it's used a couple of times uh, in, in these throughout four verses. And the, that term, it can actually be used in a couple of different ways. It can mean uh, chronologically, like literally you were born first. And obviously that's not the case in either one of those, but it's meant uh, to signify that he is supreme, that he is preeminent over these things. When first vi- in verse 15, he is supreme over creation. And in verse 18, he is the firstborn from the dead. That means he is supreme and preeminent over the dead. Those who were dead and have been raised to life being the church. He is supreme and preeminent over the church. And so as we walk through these verses this morning, we're going to look at the supremacy of Jesus over the church. In verse 18, right there in the middle, it says, He is the beginning. Jesus was the beginning of the church. He, in his supremacy, established the church. In the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 16, uh, verse 18, the words of Jesus, he says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus was going to build his church. He didn't say, Peter, I'm going to build a church or even the church. He said, I'm going to build my church. And he was going to do this by establish, by making disciples and by multiplying disciples. If you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's so much good stuff in those four books of the Bible. You'll read about a lot of miracles that Jesus healed people. He did some incredible things. Uh, You'll read about stories that he told, parables, where he used stories to teach people truth. You'll see that he would gather large crowds and teach them. Uh, But the underlying reality of Jesus' life that we see in the Gospels is that he was very rarely alone. He sometimes would retreat from the crowds to spend time alone with the Father God, but mostly he was with people, primarily with his closest disciples. And he was teaching them, and he was correcting them. He was living life with them, instructing them in how to live, because he knew that he was going to be building his church through them. And at the end of that verse, Matthew 16, 18, Jesus gives us a little bit of an idea of what kind of church he wanted to start. He says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Now, gates... They're defensive in nature. No one is scared of a gate. A gate's not going to come and attack you. A gate is defensive. Gates just stay in one place and they keep things out. And so by Jesus saying that the gates of hell can't stop his church, what he's implying is that the church is to be an offensive force. Not offensive in the term, in the way that we're, we're jerks and we say mean things, but we're to be offensive. The church of Jesus He established it for us to advance, for us to move forward. The church was never designed 
to play defense. Jesus didn't establish his church so that we can sit in here in the safety of our building and talk about how bad things are out there. Jesus established his church for us to move his mission forward. And Jesus and his supremacy established the church to carry forward his mission, which is outlined in Luke 19.10, to seek and to save the lost. So a question, if Jesus established his church for the mission of seeking and saving the lost, how actively engaged are you in that mission? Who are the people in your life who are currently far from God? Are you praying for them regularly, by name? Are you praying for God to save them? Are you intentionally investing in them so that you can show them the love of Jesus and share with them the hope of Jesus? And if we have no answer to those questions, then we're not on mission with God. We are coming to church, but we are failing to be on mission with God. And because Jesus is the one who established his church, he gets to dictate what our rules are and what our purpose is. We didn't start it. Church wasn't our idea. So not only did Jesus establish the church, but he's also responsible for leading it. And we're going to go backwards. You may have noticed we're kind of going backwards in verse 18 as we're working through this. At the beginning of verse 18, it says, And he, being Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. Now, Paul uses the metaphor of a human body here to describe the church. Our church, the Table Church, we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. But we are not primarily that. We are primarily a living, breathing organism. We are a body made up of many parts, and we have a mission together. To clarify that, I want to read a few verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you're taking notes, just write down 1 Corinthians 12, and I encourage you in your own time uh, to read that whole chapter. It talks about gifting. It talks about how the, the body parts work together. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read it all, but just a couple of verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many parts. But of many, excuse me. We are one body made up of many parts. In that passage you see he says Jew or Greek, slave or free, we are united in Christ. In bodily terms, that would like be saying whether you're a hand or a foot, a finger or a toe, an elbow or a knee, we're united under Christ. Whether you serve in hospitality or whether you serve in setup, whether you're on the kids team or the youth team, whether you're on the finance team or the worship team, we are one body united in Christ. And we see back in Colossians 1.18 that Jesus, he is the head. It's not me. It's not Pastor Cody. It's not the staff. The head of our body is Jesus. Now, I'm, those of you who know me, you know I'm from Alabama. Maybe I have a little bit of an accent that would have given that away. Born and raised, lived just about my whole life in Alabama, so that's why I love college football, I love boiled peanuts, and there's no problem in the world that duct tape and WD-40 can't fix, right? <laughs> so growing up in Alabama, 
One thing we had to get used to was tornadoes. And we don't have as many as they do in Kansas or Oklahoma, but we have a lot of tornadoes in Alabama. And so growing up, one of the things we had to get used to in school was tornado drills. Uh, of course, the bell would just ring, and we'd, we'd know if it rung in the middle of class, it was either a tornado or fire drill. We didn't really know. We'd look out the window. If the weather was bad, we knew it was probably a tornado. If the weather was good, we just assumed it was probably a fire drill. So if it was a tornado drill, we'd have to get up and orderly, in an orderly way move out into the hallway. We'd have to get against the wall, and we'd have to kneel down with our head up against the wall on the ground. The one thing we always had to remember was to grab the biggest, heaviest, thickest book that we had. We'd have to take that with us because when we would get down, we would open that book and we would put it over our head. It would have been great if everybody had their own table or something large that we could get our whole body under, but all we had was a small book. And they told us, put that book over your head. And what our teachers understood is just how important our head is to sustaining life. In order for me to continue functioning properly, for me to make wise choices, for me to maximize my potential, I kind of need my head to stay intact. If I don't have a head, I don't have life. And likewise, if Jesus and his supremacy is not the head of the church, we will not have life. Without Jesus as the head of our church, we should go ahead and pack up now and go home, put on our son's gear, and get ready to watch a basketball game, right? Because there's no reason for us to be here. So another question. Is Jesus the head leading table church? You may think, well, that's a really good question for Pastor Cody to answer. (laughs) And it is. It is a good question for him to answer. But remember... We are all parts of this body, and so it's a question we all have to answer. And the truth is, if Jesus isn't the head of our church, we can still do a lot of the same things we're already doing. We can have a worship team up here, and we can sing songs. We can have a kid's ministry where they listen to stories, and they make crafts. We can have community groups where we go to somebody's house, and we eat some food, and we hang out. Those things can be done with or without Jesus. But when Jesus is the head of our church, he brings life to those things. We're not just singing songs, but we're singing loudly, praising our king. We're not just telling stories to kids, but we're teaching them biblical truth, and we're partnering with parents to raise kids who love Jesus. And when we join together in community groups, we're experiencing biblical community. We're bearing one another's burdens. We're encouraging one another. We're discipling one another. When Jesus, in his supremacy, leads our church, he brings life to the things that we do. Jesus being the head sustains life for the body. Another question. Are you fulfilling a role within the body? God gave us different gifts, different strengths, different passions for us to use within the context of the body. And the body can't function at peak performance if individual parts aren't working. I'm going to pick on my father-in-law because he decided to come today. And... He broke his ankle several weeks ago, and it is healing. It's not completely healed yet. For him, a broken ankle does not mean he's dead, thankfully, but it means it's slowing him down. And if God has gifted you to serve in the church and you are not utilizing that gift, it may not kill the church, but believe it will slow us down. 
If you're not engaged as a part of the body, as Cody mentioned earlier, stop by the info table on your way out. You may be skeptical. You may say, I've done this before. I've been burned. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to tell them I like kids, and they're going to put me on the schedule to work in kids for the next 24 straight weeks. Because that's what we like to do, right? We like to burn people out. But I want to make a personal promise. We will not do that. As Cody says a lot, our, our goal is to use the church to build people, not use people to build the church. If you're not engaged in the body, what are you waiting on? We need you. As the head of the church, Jesus is the perfect person to lead the church because, number one, he established it. And number two, as we see in verse 19, in him, being Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. We won't go into a lengthy theology of the Trinity other than to say that in addition to being fully human, Jesus is also fully God. When God came down to earth in the form of Jesus, the Son, we didn't get God light. We didn't get a chip off the old block. We didn't get, hey, he kind of looks like him. He's sort of kind of like Jesus or God. We got the real deal, full-fledged, 100% God. In Jesus, we have 100% of God's creativity. We have 100% of the power and the love of God. We have 100% of God's mercy and grace. We have all of his kindness and goodness. Jesus is not a cheap knockoff. He's not a substitute teacher. He's not a pinch hitter. He's not a body double. He is God. And we have God leading our church. And I love this part. It says, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Not with reluctance, not with hesitation, but pleased to dwell. Jesus in his supremacy, he established the church. And Jesus in his supremacy, he leads the church. And verse 20 pulls it together by telling us why. Through him, Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. In the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 59.2, it says, but your iniquities, now if you're like, that sounds like a big church word, it's sin, it's wickedness. And our iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, but your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Our sin has separated us from a holy God. That his love for us leads him to want to reconcile our relationship, to restore our relationship. And Jesus is uniquely qualified to reconcile because, number one, he's fully God. He alone has the authority to forgive sins and to show us mercy. But also he's fully human, which means he knows what it's like to be us. He knows what it's like to be tempted, to go through hardship, to feel the full range of human emotion. He understands. And he reconciles by making peace by the blood of his cross. Our sin demands punishment. Our sin demands payment to be made. And through the blood of Jesus on the cross, he took that punishment and he made that payment. And we can be reconciled only through the blood of Jesus. This is, this is the gospel. This is why Jesus established his church. This is why Jesus leads his church. And it's through this gospel that Jesus will build his church. 
And now we've come full circle back to Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus tells Peter that he will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is not an end unto itself, but rather the means by which the mission of Jesus to seek and save the lost is carried out. The supremacy of Jesus is evident in his establishment of the church, his leading of the church, and through his building of the church. And as we, we wrap up, I want to make a few invitations to you this morning. If you're a baptized believer of Jesus, I want to invite you to take part in communion. And in a minute, Kyle's going to talk through how we do communion here at the Table Church. But if you're already a baptized believer, a follower of Jesus, we invite you to take part in communion. If you're not there yet, but you would like to talk about Jesus, you can do that in a couple of ways. The quickest and easiest way would be just to grab me or grab Pastor Cody or grab whoever brought you as soon as we start singing and say, hey, I want to talk about Jesus. And I promise you, we will be more than happy to do that. The other way, you can go to the info table and just tell them, I want to have a conversation about Jesus. I have some questions. I want to talk about that. And we will make it our highest priority this week to make sure that happens. Perhaps you're not a follower of Jesus, but you're at that point where you're ready to be. What I invite you to do this morning is to have a conversation with God. Just tell him that you understand your sin has separated you from him. And you believe that he sent his son Jesus to pay the penalty for that sin on the cross. And on the basis of that belief, you want him to adopt you into his family, to be his son or his daughter. And you want to make him supreme in your life. And if you do that today, make sure you tell someone. Because we want to celebrate that with you. And we want to walk with you in this next phase of your journey. And lastly, I want to invite everyone to sing. We're not just singing songs, but we have the privilege of worshiping the God who loves us and reconciles us to himself. So in a minute, we're going to sing. And I invite you to sing loudly. Sing to our Father who loves us and pursues us. Pray with me now. God, you are a good God, and you are a good Father. God, we don't want to we don't want to go through Father's Day, God, without stopping to acknowledge your role as our Heavenly Father. God, you loved us enough to pursue us, to desire to be reconciled to us in spite of our sin, in spite of our wickedness. God, I pray now as we take communion, God, we will be reminded of the sacrifice made on the cross by Jesus to save us. And God, I pray that as we sing, we will sing loudly to you in worship because you're a good Father who loves us. God, I pray that Jesus will be supreme in our life. God, that there will be nothing as important to us as him. God, we thank you for establishing the church, leading the church, and building the church. God, I pray that we will be on mission with you 
God seeking and saving those who are lost. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen.